yes When you wake up And you feel like you need a little up When you're down and out And you need to get a little higher If you feel like you need a blessing And you feel a little high today Welcome to the church of Cali High Welcome to Kelly High, episode 53. I'm your host, Chen Zonico, and this week our guest is Michael Katz, executive director of the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. Considering recent media reports, which have described a collapsing cannabis industry in California due to overtaxation, we reach out to Mendocino Cannabis Alliance's executive director, Michael Katz, for an update on this potentially devastating news. We find out why the cannabis community of legacy farmers in Northern California are up in arms about cultivation and excise taxes and other challenges they face. We talk about the equity grant program and the difficulties it is having due to mismanagement and understaffing in Mendocino County. Katz has many years of experience in the cannabis industry and the PR industry as well and is the MCA's first full-time executive director. Okay, Cali High is blessed to be here with Michael Katz of the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. How are you, Michael? All right. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you, man. And thanks for appearing. Um, so, first question, who is the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance? Sure. So, the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance is the premier cannabis trade association in Mendocino County. It was founded in 2019 uh, coming together of two different trade groups in Mendocino. One that was focused primarily on uh, business development, economic development, getting the Mendocino name out into the world as far as quality of products and mm -hmm. branding and marketing. And the other one was uh, focused more on local and state policy advocacy efforts. And so those two organizations combined to form MCA in 2019. I was fortunate enough to have moved to Mendocino in 2018 and been involved in a, as a founding board member in that organization, and then uh, came on as full-time executive director in November of 2020. We represent uh, over 130 individual small businesses, mm -hmm. uh, the vast majority of which are licensed small cannabis cultivators here in Mendocino. Um, but we also have members who are in other sectors. We represent several retailers and distributors, just folks throughout the cannabis supply chain mm -hmm. uh, and folks who want to see uh, our cannabis communities survive and thrive in this challenging time. So um, we have great members. We have great sponsors who help to support our efforts. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate to be able to have a full-time executive director, which is me, uh, working to advocate on behalf of our members because uh, there's a lot going on and, and it's hard for folks who are farming and who are involved in the other challenging parts of the cannabis business to, to focus on all of these things at once. Yeah, I hear you. And the reason we're talking today is pretty much taxes, and we'll get to that in a minute. So now you're the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance what is the Mendocino Cannabis Program? So the Mendocino Cannabis Program is the county department that administers the Mendocino uh, Cannabis Program, right. which is which is the program through which our licensed operators have been entering into compliance. Mm -hmm. So there, uh, the program opened and accepted applications. 
from people who had previously been cultivating cannabis throughout the county. Mm-hmm. And then those operators have been in this uh, application gauntlet since then, uh, four years, four and a half years, many of them yeah. uh, still trying to get to a county annual permit. But the program has changed departments several times. It began in ag. They were accepting paper applications at that time. Then it moved to planning and building services. And that, they, you know, there was a lot of lost applications and people having to submit four or five times the same paperwork. Uh, and so this is the latest iteration of how the county is managing cannabis. And uh, it is a stand, it's been made into a standalone department. Uh, and so they are kind of in charge of administering the cannabis program on behalf of the Board of Supervisors. Right. Okay. So we're going to come back to them. But let's go on to last week. There, so last week there was a protest in Sacramento to bring attention to the strain on farmers and the industry in general caused by so you- the what cultivation tax and tax in general right sure so it was uh the 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 rally last week was put on primarily by supernova women which is uh an equity advocacy group based out of the bay area Mm -hmm. and we uh as mca were able to participate because origins council who is our state level advocacy organization made up of trade associations from six different heritage cultivating regions was a part of organizing um, but at the lead of supernova women and so there were two primary requests at the rally last week one was uh, a removal of the cultivation tax Mm -hmm. and one was uh, a removal of the excise tax for equity retailers uh, throughout the state. And so, you know, those are, there are two areas where we see uh, extensive taxation that does not occur in the unlicensed market that is, you know, really putting the licensed market behind oh, yeah. and at a competitive disadvantage. And so, you know, the, the equity community, the people of color uh, and the BIPOC community who have struggled severely at the hands of the war on drugs have a lot in common in that arena with the small operators who have been subject to the war on drugs as cultivators in the Northern California region, you know, humbled Mendocino have some of the most uh, examples of paramilitary activity uh, towards the eradication of cannabis uh, in the state. And so, you know, ongoing to this day, uh, ongoing, you know, sadly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there is, you know, there's still a lot of issues to be worked out, but it was, it was very uh, uplifting and inspiring to see these communities come together at the state Capitol and call for this essential tax change together. Mm-hmm. And so for our listeners, can you just tell us how much is the cultivator's tax per ounce? So right now, uh, per pound of cannabis, per it's pound. about a dollar. It's about one hundred and sixty dollars, a little bit over one hundred and sixty dollars per mm-hmm. pound. And that went up just this when the new year started. It went up from what was about one hundred and fifty five dollars a pound. Mm-hmm. And so that tax is actually tied to inflation. And whereas a year ago uh, when, or more than a year ago, when it was being considered to implement that increase of tax, it was not increased. Um, This year, the increase went ahead. And so unfortunately, because of 
the corresponding market crash. What it means right now is that that tax of $160, which maybe that used to be on product that was selling for anywhere uh, at $1,000 a pound or over, mm-hmm. you know, so that's still a 15, you know, 15 to 20% tax right there has now shifted to since product is available, is, is selling on the market for between three and $500. In some cases, we're looking at a 50% tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that product. And so that's unsustainable. It would be unsustainable in any industry, but it's particularly unsustainable in light of all of the other fees and licensing requirements that are put upon these operators. And specifically in Mendocino County, none of these cultivators have sites larger than 10,000 square feet. Uh-huh. So it's the smallest of the small cultivation that is still being treated like the largest of the large, and they don't have the resources and they don't have the runway to you know wait this out. Yeah, and uh, they don't take into account the law of supply and demand on the price with the tax. So it's just a fixed sure. tax. Yes, yeah. and that's a challenge for us in Mendocino as well. Uh, in our local tax ordinance, we have guaranteed minimum requirements owed uh-huh. to the owed to the county uh, annually. And so, you know, if you have a ten thousand square foot permit, but you're only cultivating five thousand square feet, mm-hmm. you're still responsible to pay the full minimum tax on the ten thousand square feet. Whether or not you you are even uh, able to sell that product, whether that product experiences crop loss, that tax is just required to participate in the program. But the payment of that tax has not resulted in any real services or support for the folks who have been paying it. Mm-hmm. And is there any other agricultural product that has a cultivator tax? Not that we're aware of, no. Yeah. And, okay, that's kind of... Unfair. And so the excise tax then is also, you're asking for that to be removed as well? Yeah. So the excise tax is interesting because it comes at the end of the supply chain, Mm -hmm. but it has to be paid before the product actually is sold. Right. So when a distributor is transferring a product to a retailer, they're responsible to pay in advance this 15% excise tax. And it's either based on a complicated formula if it's uh, wholesale pricing or a slightly less complicated formula if it's retail pricing. But it breaks down to roughly a wholesale product is going to be uh, marked up 27% to cover the excise tax. And the the price at retail winds up being marked up about 15%. But the result of this and all of these taxes that we're talking about wind up with prices to the consumer that are, you know, 30 to 50% higher than they're paying in the unregulated market. Mm-hmm. And so when we're guessing or estimating that maybe there are, you know, eight or nine illicit shops compared to one licensed shop, and those options are providing way discounted prices with products that to uneducated consumers just look like licensed cannabis products. You're putting the licensed community at incredible disadvantage, especially when the intent of Prop 64, as it was voted in by the people of California, was to provide a sustainable transition for these like, these existing businesses and to create a California cannabis industry of small and medium-sized businesses. Right now, instead, what we're seeing is an extinction event after extinction event of these smaller businesses. And if there's not drastic measures taken soon at the county and state levels, we're going to see a lot more people have to leave the licensed market. Mm-hmm. 
and the black market is thriving at least it is down here i gotta tell you i've you know in my in the course of my job i've tried to get interviews with some of these people there's illegal distro warehouses where there's thousands of pounds moving you know with several different distributors and sure yeah well for, first i just like to recommend um you know i it words uh, are so impactful these days. We tend to try to uh, not use the term black market mm -hmm. because we find that it contributes actually to a culture of white supremacy, like the idea that like black market bad, white market good. Right, right. And so, you know, terms like illicit market, unregulated market, traditional market, just as a, a general, uh, you okay. know, word I'm choice. I'm cross effort. that out of my question. Yeah, illicit and then, <laughs> yeah, illicit, traditional, unregulated. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the truth is that the unregulated market has, you know, a fraction of the <clears throat> resource, has a fraction of the restrictions and bottlenecks that are placed on folks in the licensed market. Mm -hmm. And as you point out, I mean, there have been articles that have come out about these so-called burner distros, where folks full well are operating businesses that are not intending to be compliant and, you know, ultimately potentially impacting small operators who are, mm -hmm. because as, you know, as we know, as you may know, uh, it's the distributor who's responsible for remitting the cultivation tax from the small farmer to the state. So if a distributor is operating illegally and not remitting that taxation, ultimately that can come back to harm the small operator. Uh -huh. And from the articles that have been out there, it seems that this is uh, there's awareness that this is happening, but there's very little being done to to stop it. You know, and so. We have been advocating for more and more direct access opportunities for our small farmers not to have to go through this very convoluted, expensive and unreliable supply chain and be able, like any other small farmer in any other crop or industry or, or sector, to mm -hmm. be able to sell directly to consumers what they're cultivating. You know, yeah. cannabis, small cannabis farmers, uh, or any cannabis farmer who can't afford uh, to set up a retail license is basically unable to uh, receive the full value of their product at market. They are right. by necessity required to work through this entire supply chain that separates them from the consumer and separates them from the value that they're producing. And it's creating mm -hmm. this, uh, you know, this untenable and unsustainable situation. Yeah. Well, wineries can sell directly to the consumer. You go to a wine tasting event at the winery and you can buy the wine right there, right? So Sure. Yeah, sorry about that. Rural living. <laughs> it's okay. I just kept rolling. What the hell? I'll edit that out later. So, I'm back. yeah, I was I was just kind of like throwing out that rhetorical question. I mean, the California wouldn't put up with an illicit alcohol market, right? Sure. Well, I mean, I think that it is important to note that we are still at the very beginning of the end of cannabis prohibition. Like cannabis right. prohibition exists. Mm -hmm. We are not outside of that paradigm. Just because we have a state regulated program, it's still not legal in any uh, meaningful sense. I mean, there are there have been reductions in criminal charges that can be filed, but that has not solved the problem of people of color being incarcerated at greater numbers because of cannabis uh, than not. And so, you know, we're still not seeing the social justice or racial justice that we would want to see from a truly legalized 
cannabis community. And so, uh, yeah, the, the struggles that we face are substantial and they're based largely on that fact. So it took a while for direct sales of alcohol. You know, that was mm-hmm. the thing too. And it, it didn't happen immediately. And yeah. the cannabis industry has many different uh, voices in it who are representing many different constituencies. You know, we have the small operators, the legacy operators who are trying to make the transition into the new market. You have the, the that includes in both, you know, the rural and urban areas of the state, uh, all of whom were negatively impacted by the war on drugs and continue to be to this day. Um, but you also have the kind of new industry, the, the outside capital, the more traditional business interests that are trying to capitalize on a perceived green rush. And what that has done, you know, with the oversupply and the, the, the fact that the one acre cap that was built into Prop 64 was never uh, enforced or, or, in, or made reality, um, you know, what we're seeing that right now with the crash in the market. And unfortunately, it hasn't led to lower prices for consumers either. Uh, no. And it hasn't led to uh, a reduction in the illicit market. And so, you know, it's important to take a, a really 50,000 foot view of this system and see how challenged it is. And we, and the different constituencies certainly have different opinions on how things should go. And so it's really about working with legislators and regulators and trying to push the needle in the right direction for, for our communities. And how successful do you think your efforts are going to be with getting rid of the, those two taxes, the excise and the, the cultivator's tax? Well, I think that there is definitely been a appetite expressed by the governor's office for tax reform in cannabis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's a really challenging time historically when it comes to tax reform in cannabis in California, specifically around the cultivation tax. Uh, the challenge has been that that money is earmarked towards certain uses. And so the groups that align with those uses, you know, labor, uh, for example, um, are very, it's very important to them to make sure that revenues that they have come to count on are not decreased. So that's, you know, the, in the governor's messaging, you know, we understand that there's a desire to address this, but they're looking at also having to maintain revenue neutrality, which is, you know, a ch- you know somewhat of a challenge. Yeah. Now, we, we're hopeful that due to the budget surplus, the year-on-year budget surplus, and the fact that there is, uh, you know, all of these resources available, that in order to save this community that is so endangered right now, it's the uh, the heart and the backbone of California's cannabis industry, uh, drastic actions need to be taken. So, you know, we understand that there are important goals and that it's important to weigh them with the realities on the ground and make sure that we don't lose this industry before it's too late to save it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it seems to be in danger. I noticed that, that, Media is reporting the cannabis industry is on the verge of collapse due to overtaxation. Where do you think we go from here to solve this problem, Michael? Well, I think it's a combination of things. You know, it is the state level, uh, and there will be legislation that's coming out uh, mm-hmm. for this year that is going to address many of these topics. You know, uh, yeah. they're, 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 the, the legislators and the regulators are very aware of the challenges. We have been very vocal about our pain points. At one point, the state 
uh, was very clear about asking for those. And so we've been providing them. Obviously, there have been there was a rally in Sacramento last week. Uh, there's a continued effort to engage with the DCC and CDFW and, um, you know, related and agencies and with our legislators. And so we're very grateful to Origins Council, which as I mentioned before, is a trade association made up of six different trade associations. And those are from Humboldt, Nevada County, Big Sur, Trinity, Sonoma, and Mendocino. And together we actually create the largest cannabis advocacy organization in the state. And so Origins Council is working diligently on these key points because they really affect hundreds and hundreds and honestly thousands of stakeholders that are in the licensed market right now that are, you know, really need the support of the state to be able to make it through this transition. Yeah. Well, isn't the Origins Council, they also were, were working on an Appalachians program, right? Sure. So yeah, Janine Coleman, who's the mm-hmm. executive director of the Origins Council, she's a co-founder of the Mendocino Appalachians Project and was integral in the working groups uh, with CDFW and the California Growers Association uh, discussing Appalachians. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, Origins Council has been, uh, and the leadership therein have been a, a strong voices in advocating for this program. And we're excited to see uh, certain uh regulatory uh, updates being considered. You know, the, yeah, yeah. the goal is not to rush to market with uh, this program. The goal is to bring it in w- with all of the appropriate safeguards, make sure it's it's really viewed uh, internationally and nationally as, as, the, as a real thorough program based on internationally accepted standards yeah. uh, that will give it some teeth, you know, mm-hmm. and really be able to put increased value behind the products of our communities that we already know are so valuable. Yeah, that's cool. So coming back to Mendocino, what about the equity grant program funds and who are they designated for and how is that going? Sure. So the the local equity program is funded by the state and the equity program statewide are designed to address negative impacts from the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. And so every county uh, or municipality has the opportunity to provide to the state what's called a needs assessment to determine what is the need of the community, how much uh how much impact has the war on drugs had to this community and what are their needs to be able to try to alleviate some of that damage. Mm -hmm. And so through that process, which was spurred greatly by MCA, our organization and uh, Hannah Nelson, who is a uh, MCA senior policy advisor Mm -hmm. and also just uh, a decades long advocate uh, in the legal realm for civil rights. And I read some of her writing. Yeah, she's she's an incredible, incredible advocate in our community is is truly lucky to have her. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we um, had put forward uh, proposals as a community uh, through MCA as to how the equity program uh, should be administered. And ultimately, the county went with uh, some different suggest different uh, a route. And to this point, there have been several edits made to the program. But unfortunately, they're the funds that are earmarked to be distributed uh, among our community have yet to be distributed. So mm-hmm. there have been there are several rounds of funding. Our county was granted $2.2 million in the initial funding round. And to this point, 
not only have none of those funds actually been distributed, but it's uh, possible that by the end of February, the state has the ability to pull those funds back if they have not actually been provided to equity operators. And so we have been advocating for the removal of barriers to get those funds distributed. But, you know, certainly right now, the goal of the equity program is not being met because the funds that are, they're not the county's funds, they're the state funds Mm -hmm. that are earmarked for these individuals and the, the program to disperse them as set up by the county has proven to be uh you know un, un, yeah unable to meet the task at hand and so yeah. while there are people who have been involved since february of last year in this application process who still have not seen a nickel uh-huh. and are still being asked to resubmit documents yeah and, and this so, is the mendocino uh cannabis program uh administrators well, it, it's a combination so the mendocino county hired an outside group called Elevate Impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are the group that's the external administrator. Now they uh, receive payment for their services, whether or not our grant funds are distributed to my understanding. Uh, and it, it, uh, about 10% of the grant funds is uh, allowed to be provided to the administration of it. So it's a combination of that, that outside entity working uh, with the Mendocino Cannabis Program. But then beyond that, there's also the county council and the different departments within the county, risk assessment, all these different things that are, you know, kind uh-huh. of responsible to create this this chain to enable the release of funds. And unfortunately, it came to our attention that that process to develop those agreements even was not begun until it was time to start giving them out to applicants. And so we're behind the eight ball a hundred percent and really need swift action to make sure that these funds are not lost and that future funds that come in are able to be distributed in a, in a, in an efficient and effective way so they Uh can meet the goals of the program. So did I hear this correctly? So the, the outside entity that came in to administer the program gets like 250 grand to administer the program, whether they even give out any money or not. That's, that's the agreement that they have is that uh-huh. they are able to re- you know, receive up to 10% of the grant funds to administer the program. They have several grant administrators working on underwriters, working on the program, uh, you know, emailing with the applicants, but there has been no direct grant funds released. Mm-hmm. And what's the name of that? entity uh that is uh their elevate impact mm-hmm. men and the you know in, in mendocino county the website is elevate impact mendo mm-hmm. uh and in you know they also apparently uh, operate equity programs in other jurisdictions uh, i'm not 100 percent familiar uh what their track records are there you know it's they're they're all very nice people but we have yet to see any money actually hit their hit the hands of the applicants and it's certainly not all on them it's a it's a function of of the county's program being understaffed, unfortunately, you know, unprepared to address this as it was coming in with all of the other things that are happening. And so there really is a global uh, issues. There are global issues that really need to be addressed. And this is just a symptom of those. Yeah. Well, interesting. I hope this all works itself out. And uh, I, I know that any uh, recreational user as well as a medical you know, cannabis user is experiencing prices that 
are unsustainable for them as consumers even you know absolutely yeah people have less and less resources yeah and if we want to see the you know small businesses survive in california especially let's remember small cannabis businesses do not have access to federal relief funds right so any funding that's come in as part of pandemic relief mm-hmm. is not gone to cannabis yeah. farmers let's also remember they can't that write cannabis taxes off yeah 280e at the federal level cannabis operators can't write off basic business expenses that every other business is able to. So mm-hmm. they're really getting siphoned, they're really getting siphoned from all sides. Yeah. And what we need is is relief and support, you know, for these small businesses. Otherwise we're going to see mass changes to the socioeconomic fabrics of these small rural areas. Uh-huh. And that, you know, that's going to be really hard to, uh, to address even harder than it is today. Yeah. Well, it's a big part of the economy. Well, Michael, I want to thank you for coming on Cali High this morning. And uh, we're going to check back in with you probably in a few months and see how things are going. Is that okay? Absolutely. We'll be happy to keep you posted. Hopefully, we'll have some good news at that time. Yeah, I hope so. And hopefully, I'll get up there and uh, check out all 150 of your farms. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, beautiful up here in like, you know, mid-late summer. Uh Just come on up. We'll We'll show you around. Okay, I will do that. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for having me. All right, Michael. Have a great day. Cali High out. Peace. Peace, bro. I'm an old girl hand from the Rio Grande. You've been listening to Cali High episode 53 with our special guest, Michael Katz, the executive director of the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. I'm your host, Chenzo Nico. Michael Katz can be found on IG at MJKUltra. Mendocino Cannabis Alliance can be found at IG at Mendo.Cannabis. On the web, MendoCannabis.com. All one word. Outgoing music, Old Cowhand from the Rio Grande by Johnny Mercer, performed by Soy Cowboy from the 1991 release Soy Cowboy. Cali High's photographer is Hanin Nicoletti. Cali High's theme written and recorded by Vince Nicoletti, Jordan Webb, and Namir Blade. Cali High's theme, podcast, and logo are copywritten and trademarked. Please donate to Cali High at patreon.com slash LA. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Cali High on YouTube. Email us with any questions to Cali High Podcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at Cali High LA. On all podcast platforms in audio, Cali High is a Chenzo Nico production. Stay safe and be blessed.
just to hear the band I know all the songs that the cowboys know About the big corral where the buggies go Cause I learn them all on the radio Yippee-yi-yo, pie Yippee-yi-yo, pie Yippee-yi-yo, pie Yippee-yi-yo Don't dream of me, it's a